Anyway, I have a, I have a message to share with you today. Uh, we wanted to try to wrap up the service a little bit earlier, but this has taken on a little bit of a life already, so we'll just trust the Lord with it. Um, take your Bible, please. We're in Colossians chapter 3. We're, we're going to be continuing in our verse-by-verse study. I've really kind of purposed in my heart under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to be steadfast in preaching to you the Word of God, verse by verse. I made a comment last night that uh, some years ago we went through the book of Revelation verse by verse on Wednesday nights. Anyone remember that? It was an awesome study. I learned more than anybody, I think. But I'm, I'm convinced that uh, a verse-by-verse study is really very, very important with application to where we are you know, today. So I've, I've entitled the message today, uh, New Life in the New Year. And uh, we're going to Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to start reading at verse number 12. This is where we are anyway in our study. So let me read it, then we'll get into this. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved... Put on tender mercies and kindness and humility, meekness and long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Dear Lord God, thank you for this really great passage of scripture and thank you that we're here in this passage on this day father bless this sermon let it be let it speak to our hearts in a very powerful way holy spirit we call upon you lord come minister uh, by by the spirit of god open our hearts to hear your voice today lord and let us be able to not only understand this mentally but let us apply it spiritually in our lives. Let it bring life to our soul today, and let it be a blessing throughout this new year of 2023. This we pray in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Well, I want to say happy new year. I want to say uh, for many of us, uh, ending uh, 2022, uh, many of us were saying, hallelujah, thank the Lord is over. But some of us, on the other hand, are entering into the new year with a little bit of tentativeness or uncertainty, not sure what the new year will bring to us. Uh, Let me share a couple of things. 2023 has its challenges. I don't need to say it, but I want to say it just to articulate to you where I'm coming from as your pastor. 2023 has challenges such as sociopolitical issues. Do you know... Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's all right. It, you know, it's perfectly good, you know? Perfect. Reminds me of a time I had a Bible study in our home. 
And, and this one brother fell asleep. Every time we had Bible study, he fell asleep on our couch. So I complained to the pastor. I said, do you believe that guy falls asleep? He said, Rick, thank the Lord he's in your house. He may be hearing it through osmosis or something, but thank the Lord he's there anyway. So thank the Lord the kids are here. It's, it's all right. But did you know that over this whole COVID season of the last two and a half years, almost three years, we've lost people from this church because of political issues, social slash moral issues like being pro-life or racial equality. And often it was based upon which political party they belong to. We, uh, we have health concerns to deal with. Everyone, even today, someone called in saying they were sick. But not only do we have health concerns with either COVID to cancer, but and everything in between, but we have, we have issues with how to deal with the sicknesses. Do we get vaccinated or not? That could be a problem for some people. I think we lost some people over that issue, believe it or not. And not only do we get vaccinated or not, but do we wear a mask or not? Sometimes that's still an issue for some people. And, and we have, I just want to share this, that we as a church, as an Assembly of God fellowship, you know, we take positions on certain issues in our society. And many people fail to realize that the positions that we take are scripture-based. It's not because of someone's opinion. It's about the opinion of the word of God. And yeah, we lost people over these issues too, like same-sex marriage. We have a position on that. Cohabit cohabitating before marriage, uh, drug use or alcohol use. We have a position on all these things, but it's not based upon my opinion. It's based upon what we read in the word of God. And so the church has always been the bedrock of moral, social, familial uh, integrity. And you know what? We're not stopping that now simply because we, we sense it from the culture making us want to change. We're not changing. You know, the culture has changed. We're not changing. And I have to tell you, when, when I preach the word of God, I'm, I'm basically thinking, what would someone do with this message in 10 years from now, or 20 years from now, or 50 years from now, should the Lord tarry? I would hope that it would still be applicable then as it is now, because it's the word of God. So when I say Happy New Year, I say May, May 2023 allow us to grow in faith, grow in maturity, grow in the knowledge of the word and the application of the word so that, listen to this, so that the joy of the Lord would be our strength. Listen, we have too many grumpy, old, complaining Christians. I'm telling you. And I know, it's, I, I get it. Sometimes I am too, I, I confess. The weight of the world is like, I can't take it anymore. But as we mature in Christ, doesn't the scripture say the joy of the Lord is my strength? So let's have a little bit of joy around here, which brings us to this passage of scripture. Now let me preface <laughs> Like, like my friend said, I want to say something before I speak, but I want to say something about this passage. This passage refers to the normal Christian life. All right? This is, this is how we interact with each other. Okay? Just to keep it simple. It has nothing to do. It's not appealing to church discipline or heresy or false prophets or teachers or, or rebellious troublemakers in the church. It's not about that. It's about how we live day-to-day -day life with the understanding that each of us are trying to do the best that we can. 
All right, so I just want to get that out there. I'll probably mention it a few times. But verses 12 through 17 is for the church, is for church life in general. It, it, it's, it's to help us realize, when, when, like we're now in Christ, how do we act with each other? Like I said, if there was a problem with doctrine or a false prophecy or whatever, heresy, there's many other scriptures that deal with those issues. This is not that. This is like in general for the local church to adhere to. So we're going to go verse by verse, then we're going to make some applications for it. Okay, verse number 12 could have some controversy. Could have some controversy. But it says, therefore, as the elect of God, and what he's saying is, is here, therefore, as the elect of God, the preceding verses say, put off the old man. And these verses say, put on the new man. I, I read a sermon not long ago where the, the pastor was saying uh, how, how, how to dress, what, how to get dressed up for church, putting on all these qualities, put these qualities on. But and that's not so hard. But the, the question is, who is the elect of God? That's a theological nightmare for some people. I mean, let me give you some examples. Like on the one hand, some people would say God predetermines who gets saved and who doesn't get saved, and people have no choice in the matter. People believe that. But that would negate John 3.16. Number two is God grants free will, and people decide themselves whether to accept or reject the gospel, and God has nothing to do with it. Well, I believe the truth of the matter is in the middle of those two things, that God knows who will be saved based on their decision to accept Christ, which he knew beforehand who would do it or not. So the elect of God are people who choose to believe in the gospel. Otherwise, the Great Commission is to go into all the world and tell everybody. John 3.16 includes everybody. So everyone must hear, everyone must make a decision, but God will know who they are, but he gives everyone the free will to do it. So the elect of God are not robots. Like, we, like God doesn't say, you're saved, you're saved, you're not saved. You, you know, no, we're not robots. We have a free will. We decide what we want to do. Um, we're not perfect. Amen? Doesn't mean we're never struggling or we're never, like, you know, doubting. It means that we, we believe the gospel and we believe the plan of salvation and we're trying to, our best to live accordingly. So he says in verse 12, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on all these qualities, you know, tender mercies and kindness and uh, humility, meekness and long-suffering, bearing with one another and so forth. Now, now these qualities have nothing to do with making us saved or not. You get that? These are things that we do after we're saved when we try our best to represent Christ in the best way that we can. Because all these qualities are qualities of Christ. Reminds me of 2 Peter 1. When, when Peter writes something similar, he says, now your faith is wonderful, but add to your faith. Add to my faith? I thought, you know, I'm justified by faith. Yeah, you are. But he says, add to your faith. And Paul is saying here, you know, take off the old man, put on the new man, add to your faith. Well, Peter says, add to your faith virtue and knowledge and perseverance and godliness and love and brotherly kindness. 
but we're already saved. So if we want to be the best version of ourselves, guess what, church? We're saved, we're forgiven, hallelujah. That is simply the beginning of a whole lifetime of allowing God to change our heart, our mind, the way we think, the way we do. So when he says to put these qualities on, yeah. And again, we're not dealing with correcting anybody or false prophets or heresy. We're we're just dealing with how we're supposed to live. Hello. Are you still glad you came to church on this first Sunday of the new year? Hallelujah. And verse number 13, bearing with one. My little footnote in my mind, that phrase bearing with one another, I mean, does it make more sense if we say putting up with one another? I mean, it's, you know, you don't want to be crude, but you want to just make it home. Like, like what he means is deal with each other. I mean, you know, we all have stuff. We all have opinions. We all have baggage. But, you know, bear with one another. It's okay. You're different, you know. You know, somebody's going to like the Red Sox, somebody's going to like the Yankees and all that stuff. But, you know, someone may like green, someone may like whatever. Someone may think a certain way about a non-essential in the Bible. It's okay. Just bear with one another. And if someone has, uh, uh, forgive one another, if there's a complaint against one another, even as Christ forgave you. And I think verse 13 is saying, as Christ forgave you, as Christ was merciful to you, as Christ was humble to you and accepting of you, so be that way to one another. Within the local body. Again, this is not about someone giving a false prophecy or a false teaching. This is basic in general. Bible 101. Right? Just kind of surrender it to it and let God rule in your heart. Um, above all, in verse 14... Above all these things, put on love. Love is the earmark of Christianity. Keep in mind that the message, the title of this message is New Life in the New Year. We're we're going somewhere with this. These are qualities that I really want to bring home to the church throughout this year. There's three things I'll get to in a minute, but above all, put on, put on, or or above all, Uh, Put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Meaning love will keep the local fellowship connected and thriving, living together, growing together. It's the bond, it's the glue that keeps us together. John 13, Jesus said to his disciples, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another the way I loved you, love one another, and all the world will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, love is patient, love is kind, etc. 1 Peter 4, 8, Peter writes, Have fervent love for one another, for perfect love covers a multitude of sins. Wow. You know what? My, my, my uh, application of that in my life was when we accepted Christ many years ago, we started going to a church. I didn't know what to expect. But those people loved us accepted us, and their love covered over my sins and it helped me to realize I am, in fact, forgiven for whatever I have done. So the, verse 14 and verse 15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful. 
Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And, and, and within the body of Christ, let there be peace. As David said, oh, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Psalm 133. Hallelujah. Let peace rule in your heart. Not strife. Not angst. Not hurt feelings and offenses. I mean, I, you know what? This, this isn't, uh, 2024 is the big election year. But I learned so much in 2020 about people's feelings over those issues. You know, it's okay if someone's on this party or someone's on that party or someone's not on any party. It's okay if people have different opinions about things. We're, we're drawn together not by those things. We're drawn together by a mutual love and respect for each other. And I want to keep that alive. I think our country is so divided because there is no love. There's a lot of opinions, a lot of hurt feelings, but I don't see a whole lot of love going on. And it's got to start in the church. It says, verse number, uh, verse number 15, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body, and be thankful. Be thankful for the diversity. Be thankful for the differences we have. It's all good. It all does work together. And uh, verse, let's see, verse number, uh, verse number 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom and teaching. And what a great way to correct or teach somebody by singing a song. Wouldn't that be a great idea? I'm going to try that sometime. If, I, if we're talking one day and I start singing a song, just, just bear with me. It may be a, a scriptural song that pertains to the situation, but... What a great thing. He's talking about three different types of, of so singing here. Psalms would be like Old Testament psalms that are put to music or a melody. Uh, um, hymns are like current hymns. Or someone wrote a song for the church at the time. We have a lot of hymns of the church today. And, and uh, spiritual songs would be like spontaneous songs of praise. We do that here sometimes. We'll just be worshiping and all of a sudden... One of us will just start to sing and encourage everyone to find a note, just sing a melody unto the Lord. That's a spiritual song. But in that, in that atmosphere of worshiping God, there's a lot of good doctrine if it's scriptural. And, and in that way, we're taught, we're maybe corrected, and so on. And then uh, in verse number 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whatever you say, whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus. Don't do it in your own name. Rick Amendola Ministries. Could you imagine? I'd be humiliated. Don't do it in my name. Don't do it in your name. Do it in the name of Jesus, right? That's what it says. Do it in the name of Jesus. So, okay, I want to I digress for just a moment, but there's something I, I have to say. That this is the word of God. The word of God is speaking to us through right now. Are you getting that? You know, there's the, the word of God, like you can look at it from a historical perspective and get a lot out of it because he's writing to the church there in Colossae and he, it's all for them. But by the work of the Holy Spirit, it's for us today. I really believe this is for new life for today in this season, and in this year that, we're, that we've now embarked upon. And I want to just, you know, let me just share a couple of things. In John 16, we won't go there, but in John 16, 
It says that the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin and judgment and, and righteousness. Okay, so the world, so the unsaved. The Holy, you ever wonder how you got saved? When you didn't really believe yet, you were kind of believing, but what drew you? It was the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is at work convicting uh, people. and We were convicted. But after we get saved, my goodness, the Holy Spirit is so much at work in our lives. And yes, we're a Pentecostal church, but can I tell you something? The Pentecostal church does not only mean we speak in tongues and interpret and have a word for the body. That's part of it. But as a Pentecostal body of believers, we believe in the Holy Spirit for day-to-day operation. We need the Spirit of God every single day of our lives for empowerment, for enlightenment, whatever. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. But let me give you a couple of references. In, in John 14, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is our helper, our counselor, and our teacher. Man, I experienced that this week on two occasions. There was something that happened. I was going to say something to somebody on two different occasions. And I said, Lord, what should I do? And you know what he said? He didn't say, but I sensed in my spirit. He went like this. And I didn't. And it was fine. If I did, it might have been an issue. But I didn't. And I, But the Holy Spirit does speak to us. 1 Corinthians 3 says that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. 1 Corinthians 2 says the Holy Spirit is our source of revelation and power and wisdom. Can you see why we're a Pentecostal church? We depend on this. John 16, 13 says the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. Other passages say that the Holy Spirit gives gifts to the church. The Holy Spirit seals the work of the Father in our lives. The Holy Spirit, in Romans 8, intercedes for us. So with that being said, what is the Holy Spirit saying to us on January 1st, 2023? Again, this is not to correct anybody. It's not to give discipline to anybody. There's no, no faulty doctrine going on. There's no heresy, no false teachers. This is a, a simply a word for the local church. And I think if we could live in this, we would be a healthy church. There's not a problem. There's not a problem. We just want to be the best we could be for God. Hello? No, Pamela gave me a little devotional uh, for Christmas. What's the name of it? Oh, I've called a place called heaven. It's a 90-day devotional. Every scripture has to do with heaven and living in the light of we're going there one day. I'm on day, like day four or five. It's like it's like I'm thinking about it. Like wow, everything I do now has to do with you know it helps me to get there. And one day all this struggle or will be over. But how do we live now? I think as we get into this message, we're going to see how we should live now with the anticipation that one day we'll be on the other side. Amen? So I'm going to give you three things to think about. Sorry we don't have anything on the, on the overhead, but you can write them down or write it in your, on your phone or whatever. There's three things to think about. The first thing, I, I feel like new life in the new year has got to be 
got to continue to be and will be Christ-centered. We have to be Christ-centered. Now, let me talk about that for a minute. As, at verses 12 and 13, as Christ forgave us, guess what? We have to forgive other people. As Christ was merciful toward us, guess what? We have to be merciful toward people. As Christ was humble and gave his life, we have to be humble and give our lives away to people as they come into this fellowship. So we have to be Christ-centered and we have to be Christ-like. Well, let me ask you a question. When you first came to Christ, did you feel Christ was judgmental of you? Did you feel like Christ was condemning you? Did you feel like Jesus didn't like you? Or did you feel that he loved you? I felt like he liked me and he loved me and all my stuff. But did you know, many Christians feel that other Christians don't like them, let alone love them. They just don't feel like. You ask, why do I say that? I say that because I've been in ministry since 1987, and I've heard it so many times, and to be honest with you, I felt it myself sometimes. You know, the cold shoulder, the side eyes, the throwing shade on Facebook, not responding or whatever, ignoring you. But see, verse number 12 says, as the elect of God, guess what, church? We can't be like that. We can't operate like the world operates. Now, I know it's a battle. We're all in it together. But, you know, if you look at Colossians 3, take off the old man, put on the new man. You may have to do it every single day. You probably will have to do it every single day. But, you know, we, we can't function as the world functions. The world is mean, unforgiving, impatient, cruel. The church can't be like that. Again, I'm, we're not dealing with anything in particular. We're just dealing with, in general, this is how the church has to operate. It's day-to-day -day life. It's reaching out. It's loving one another. Paul addresses this in uh, Galatians 5. He talks about the works of the flesh versus the works of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc. These are qualities that we add to our lives. So we've got to be Christ-centered. Like someone would say to me, I've even said this, why do I have to be kind to somebody? Because Christ was kind to me. That's why. And we represent him. But I don't feel like it. Well, get your feelings in check. We have to be Christ-centered. It will, it will crucify us, which is the point, actually. And none of us have arrived yet. Jesus' example, real quickly, John chapter 8, the adulterous woman. Everyone was ready to stone her. He said, he who has no sin, let him cast the first stone. One by one, they put the stone down and went away. He said, I don't condemn you either, but go and sin no more. Luke 15, the wonderful story of Zacchaeus, one of my best characters in the Bible. Sinful man, corrupt. Nobody even liked him. Climbing a sycamore tree to watch Jesus walk by. Hey, come on down. I want to have dinner with you today. Oh, really? That's Christ-centeredness. Luke 7, at the Pharisee's home, the sinful, all she's known as the, is as the sinful woman. Can you imagine? That's your identification in the Bible, the sinful woman. She's washing Jesus' feet with her tears and drying them with her hair. 
And the, the Pharisee says to Jesus, or to people, he said, if he knew what kind of woman she was, he wouldn't let her do that. And Jesus turned the whole thing around and said, look, since I came in here, you ignored me, you didn't help me, you didn't bless me. This woman has not stopped tending to me since I walked through the door. So we, we say Christ-centeredness. We're saying, you know, we represent the Lord. We're, we're not Jesus, and we're not the Holy Spirit, by the way. Meaning, we don't have to bring judgment on people. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is to love and counsel and help people you know, get to where they need to go. But number one is this. For, for new life in the new year, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be driving this point home. We've got to be Christ-centered. That's number one. Number two is this, verses 14, 15, and 16. We've got to be what I would call word-bound. Word-bound. Um, verse 14 talks about putting on love. Verse 15 talks about let peace rule in your heart. And verse 16 talks about the word of God dwelling richly. But my contention is we can't live in love and in peace without the word of God ruling in our heart. Verse 16 is the platform by which the other two qualities are based upon. So we've got to be in the word of God. And we are, and we will continue to be in the Word of God. And that's why one reason I'm enjoying so much the verse-by-verse study of the Word of God. There's so many things you get out of it instead of a big passage with, with an opinion on it, but, but verse-by-verse uh, verse seems to be where it's at. So look at verse number 14. What does the Word of God say about love? Jesus said it. Love each other. I'm giving you a new, not a suggestion, by the way. I'm giving you a commandment. Love each other, and the whole world, everyone will know that you're my disciples by how you love each other. 1 Corinthians 13, a great passage of Scripture. It's not only reserved for weddings, by the way. You know? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious. Love is humble, believes things, trusts things. In that passage, Paul wrote, pursue faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And what does the word say about peace? What does the word of God say about peace? Speaking of Christmas, the angels were singing, glory to God in the highest in heaven, and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. Christ came to give peace. Romans 5, 1 says, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 12, 18 says, as far as it depends on you, you live at peace with everybody. And so, yeah, so we, we need to live in love and we need to live in peace, but we have to be word bound and get our strength from that because none of us would necessarily want to live in love all the time or live in peace all the time. We, we love as the word says, and we let peace rule in our hearts the way that the word says. So when I hear all these news reports, I hear the news just like you hear the news. I, uh, people getting killed and these, these senseless murders and things going on and COVID and Ukraine and Russia and this and that. So many things going on that kind of boggle the mind. But we have to keep it in perspective and balance that out with the word of God. God's got everything under control. 
And we have to still love people and be at peace with people in spite of what the world is, how the world is acting all around us. It's not based on your opinion or my opinion. Our love and our peace is not based upon the condition of the world. Now, a lot of people have an excuse. Well, I, I, I can't even get out and greet people and do things because of the condition of the, the, the health problems or, or whatever. But you know what? The word of God really trumps all of that. In our own way, we've got to keep the life of the church going forward and depend on the word of God. It, it's, not, it's not based upon the condition of the world or the condition of the church. It's based upon our personal relationship with God. Philippians 4, 7 says this, Let the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your heart. So I, what I'm saying here is let the word of God be our focus to get the love we need and to have the peace that we need to make this church what it's supposed to be in 2023. Okay, I'm going to give you the third one. Wrap this up. Verse 17 says... Whatever you do, you know, whatever you do, in word or deed, the assumption is that you're doing something. Hello? Oh, COVID hit. Well, yeah. Oh, everybody's been sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no money. Oh, all right. I don't feel like it. Well, whatever you do, in word or deed, whatever you say or you do, you do it in the name of Jesus, not in your own name or not in the name of somebody else. You do it in the name of of Jesus. The scripture says, Jesus, the name by which all, any man, all men would be saved. Only the name of Jesus. We're doing things for the kingdom. But let me ask you, what are you doing for the kingdom of God? This is my opportunity to speak to everybody. What are you doing for the kingdom of God? What are we doing for the kingdom of God? Now, James says, be ye not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. So let me give you a couple of things to think about. You can write them down. I wish I had them on the outline, but we don't have an outline today. But let me, let me give you a couple of things that are on my mind regarding this. We're action-oriented. Number three is we're action-oriented. So we're Christ-centered, we're word-bound, and we're action-oriented. Early morning prayer, if there's any way possible, it's essential to start your day in early morning prayer. If you can't do it early, do it later but the earlier the better. Just pray every day. Hello? Action, or otherwise, this is all just words. No one's going to know except the Lord, or unless you text me, but I'm not saying that. But, you know, pray every day. Is that a good thing to do? Prayer matters. And no one will know. And no one will twist your arm. You just have to decide to do it. But if you want to, in verse 17, whatever you do, pray. That would be a good place to start. Starting tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, first week of the year, we're blocking off 7 to 9 p.m. to open up the church to pray together. Now, I don't know who's going to come. I'm just putting it out there. But I'm saying if we want to be action-oriented, if we want God's blessing on the new year, it may be a good idea to start in the first week to beseech God and to cry out to God. If you can't come five days, come four or three or two, whatever you could do. If you come for an hour, whatever you could do. But this is a, as a church, we're calling the church to pray 
on the first week of the year, Monday through Friday. I would say, you know what, action-oriented, attend church, and thank you, you're all here today. Those online, if you couldn't make it, attending church is really important for many reasons. But Hebrews 10 talks about don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, especially as you see the day of the Lord nearing. So we go to church. Utilize live stream as much as possible. Zoom meetings as much as possible. Sunday morning, 10. Sunday evening, 6. Tuesday and Thursday talk with Jack and Ella over there. 12 o'clock on Tuesday, 12 o'clock on Thursday. Wednesday Zoom Bible study with Bill Unger. Wednesday night in the Word, 7 o'clock with me. Um, Get involved with brotherhood. Get involved with sisterhood. Get involved with young adults. Get involved with things that are happening. We need some volunteers at the church. We need some volunteers to help clean the the church. We need some ushers to help get involved with ushering and taking care of things on Sunday mornings. And we have this annual business meeting coming up last Friday of January. Make plans to be there to support your church. And looking ahead with action-oriented, can we start thinking about and praying about another outreach to the community? Whether it's at Gar Park or in the parking lot, whatever, can we do something to kind of stir us up and and to, to make Christ known to our community? I think it's time to be thinking and praying about that. So, in conclusion, new life in the new year. We're endeavoring to be totally Christ-centered. Absolutely. We're endeavoring to be word-bound. We're endeavoring to be action-oriented. Can I get an amen? I'll try to put that in an outline and send you an email so you'll remember what this first message of the new year is all about. This is like our vision for the new year. We will be Christ-centered. We'll be word-bound. We'll be action-oriented. Let's stand together. Let's close by reading verse number 16. Do you have it there? Verse number 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let's say say it one more time. Now, you may have a different translation, but that's okay. All right? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Every head bowed for just a moment, please. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just raise your hand if this is you. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to start this year off on the right foot, surrendering to the Lord. Okay, anybody else? Okay. Number two is this. I don't know what's going to happen in 2023, but whatever happens, I, I I want God to lead me and to help me through whatever comes my way. Anyone like that? We should all be like that. And the third part is, do you have a loved one that needs Jesus? And you're hoping and praying that 2023 is the year that they surrender 
to his lordship. We're going to pray in just a moment. I just, I just heard from Pamela. Um, some of you will remember our dear friend, uh, David Siriano. Remember Reverend Siriano? Has the ministry of uh, eschatology in last days. Passed away last night. So we just heard now. So I want to pray for uh, his wife and family. Uh, Elsa, yeah. Okay, so let's go to the Lord. Father, Lord God, thank you for this word you put on my heart today uh, to share with the church. Lord, I think it's an important word, new life in the new year. Lord, help us to be Christ-centered. Help us to be word-bound. And help us to be action-oriented. Help us, Lord, with that. Lord, for those that raise their hands of recommitting their lives to you and, and committing this year to you, Lord, we are so sincere Lord, we just pray blessings and anointing over our lives, personally, over our families, over our relationships, over our kids and grandkids, and uh, over our workplaces and our co-workers, our classmates. We just pray, Lord, that your presence would be so real in this year that we would know it's different than all the other years. Let this be a special, special year as we surrender to your Lordship. And Lord, we also want to pray for those in our families that don't know you, Lord, that they would come to know you at some point in this year. Lord, there are some people we've been praying for for years. And we just pray that this year would be the year that they surrender to your lordship. And Father, we want to pray for Elsa Siriano and their children and grandchildren. Lord, what a wonderful brother David was as he would come and teach and Lord, I know right now, all that he taught, he's experiencing on the other side. <laughs> he, he, he knew what heaven was going to be like. He, he wrote books, he's, he preached, he studied, he proclaimed for years. And now he's entered into his eternal rest. So we rejoice in that, but Lord, for his wife and family and friends, it's very sad. They had a long, long marriage and a healthy ministry and marriage and family. Lord, touch each one in a special way. And Lord, this is kind of uh, appropriate at this time. I mentioned earlier about thinking about heaven. One day we're going to be in heaven, so whatever we do now is important. Brother Siriano lived his life for you, Lord. He lived the gospel for you. And we just pray your comfort, or your comfort to be upon the family and loved ones. And Lord, now that baton has been passed to us, it's our turn now to carry that torch of faith, wisdom, and knowledge. Help us, Lord, to do it to the best of our ability for your glory and for your sake. And Father, I pray your blessing over New Life Christian Assembly. Thank you for this day, and uh, thank you for this 2023 year. Let it be a great year of harvesting souls for the kingdom of God and growing in our faith. We thank you, and we praise you for it. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Okay, so there's coffee and refreshments in the cafe over there. And in about, uh, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, we're going to have a wedding. God bless you. Happy New Year.